0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle, and this is a very special episode, a Where Are They Now episode of We Are Libertarians. It's funny to think about the history of the show, and I was just catching up with Joe and his wife, and they've been... They're almost since the beginning of the network, and that was 2012. We're approaching our 8th or ninth birthday. I can't do math. And it's funny to see all these people come out of Wall and be successful. Joe Ruiz is one of them. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: hey, thanks for having me. When's the last time you were on a Wall podcast? I don't know. I'm going to guess episode 100. It can't have been that long. Well, you did
0: cap uh, for a while.
1: I, yeah, we did cap for a little while. But we are libertarians. I feel like it was episode 100. It's when all of us were together at your apartment. And Maya busted in with an automatic (laughs) rifle. And Mickey said, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) People showing up with guns.
0: Maya, I've lost touch with uh, by both of our choice. But she's in Colorado doing okay. Um, And then, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's. Uh, Jeremiah is really one of the last people who is still around. Galt is still in some of the groups, and he loves to... Um, get angry he's real into the coronavirus stuff <laughs> what do you mean by the coronavirus stuff well joe you may not have heard this but coronavirus is a man-made creation that escaped a lab and uh it was sold by the american government to xi Jinping to kill off the chinese some have even gone as far to say that mandatory vaccines in china have allowed the activation of of the death of, see where I'm going with it. It's just- There's a is, real conspiracy this theory? This is what these people really, but this is what Alex Jones is pushing.
1: Mickey and I went to lunch before the show and I said, you know, what if this whole coronavirus thing is just like a Chinese made thing to to like for population control? <laughs> and I didn't realize in that, I was saying it in jest, but that there was a real conspiracy theory out so, there.
0: So I saw a, gosh, let me let me look this up because it's so crazy. That I you won't believe it. it. So this is from a Boulder County moms group. The Chinese were all given mandatory vaccines last fall. The vaccine contained replicating, digitized, controllable RNA, which are activated by sixty millimeter five G waves in conjunction with the smart dust that everyone on the globe has been inhaling. That's why when they say something is cured, the virus can be digitally reactivated at any time, and the person can literally drop dead. It's basically remote assassination. Americans are also breathing in this smart dust through chemtrails. So this is where they they go with it. But I don't know what Galt believes, but Galt Galt makes these statements like, "Mm-hmm." See, I told you. So Galt Galt's still around. He's doing well. Uh, you know, I hear I, I've seen Chloe doing well. Ryan Ripley. I just came from him his house. I'm having a very shill report day. Which everyone should go back to the show report and listen to those episodes because that that podcast holds up. Jay Carney says what? Yeah. <laughs> Jay Carney. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So that was a podcast that we did kind of breaking down journalism and that was twenty
1: thirteen. Interviewed Ron Paul, Noam Chomsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I still think about um, Chuck Todd all the time. We never interviewed him, but I never heard of Meet the Press until we started doing that show. and <laughs> Ripley brought it up regularly, and now I'm like a regular Sunday watcher.
0: Really? Yeah, I
1: enjoyed Meet the Press. You hit your 30s, and all of a sudden you're like, that Chuck Todd makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's fun. And and when I can listen, you, Mickey will tell you, it's a regular complaint of mine, because we have kids now, and up until 9 a.m., where Meet the Press comes on here, because we're on Central, this house can be silent. And then 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock when I say I think I'd like to kick back and watch Meet the Press and all of a sudden uh, the stuff hits the fan, the kids need a million things, people are fighting, things are being broken You are so old now Glasses breaking
0: It is funny because you and I were talking about
1: how like, you're like
0: this podcast seems a little sanitized now. It's not like the frat days of we are libertarians.
1: Well <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean there's a reason for that. Everybody grows up. Yeah, we're all we're all grown now. Yeah. You get I think once you get older, you're
0: in your mid thirties. I'm in my mid thirties. Like you grow older, you get kids, you know, you you get careers, you have things to protect. You start thinking about life a little bit differently once you're closer to death. this,
1: this is true. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think about death way too often <laughs> so yeah the Joe was on the on the network for the first uh, apparently hundred episodes website editor the only time we've ever had a functioning blog at we' dot com was when Joe was managing editor and uh, was just so helpful and supportive in the beginning of this and we appreciate Joe so much and so I wanted to come up here and talk to you about your project um, because anybody who loves we are libertarians Uh, and remembers joe should go support joe in his project called rhymer educator rhymer educator rhymer where can people find you yeah Rhymereducator.com and spotify
1: we're on we're everywhere all streaming platforms youtube and then all social media platforms um tiktok twitter facebook uh instagram LinkedIn, I guess, if you
0: really want to be that, All right, that that's route. enough with the Everywhere.
1: whoring. You're like, it's like I have Jeremiah Morrill on right Every, now. I, my, my point <laughs> is to say there is nowhere that I am not. So what is it? Rhymer educator? Mm-hmm. Teacher by day, rhymer by night. Uh, that's that's the, the quick tagline. But basically, a couple of years ago, it would have been in end of 2017, um, I had a student named Michael LaRosa, and he walked into my classroom, and he began to rap verbatim a verse that I wrote while I was a college student at Bethel College. Really? Took me totally by surprise. He walks in, and he goes, hey, Ruiz. I say, yeah. He goes, check this out. When I'm an old man, white head, feet in the bed, ready to sleep, I'll make a documentary of memories that'll creep into my metal vault. (laughs) And I was like, dude, uh, where did he hear that <laughs> <laughs> right he's like well i was surfing on soundcloud and i was just kind of like listening to music and and i came across this uh i just kind of met like googled your name just out of curiosity and and I, I found this stuff and i was like is that is that him oh god i hope he didn't
0: find we are libertarians
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and so i was like man that's that's crazy first of all i forgot that that stuff was even online secondly he could memorize it yeah and he goes, yeah, and then he spent, like, so th- I think that was the most flattering part was that he took time to memorize that just to come in and show me, which meant that, I mean, I don't think he was making fun of me. That's, that's like, a lot of effort to go through. Uh, no, I think
0: he was trolling
1: you, but in a fun, in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. And it- so then he goes, so what's up, man? You make music? And I said, well, I used to. Well, why'd you quit? You were really good. I said, well, you know, I, I had a family, and I had to get a job, and I started a career. And he's like, nah, you should get back into it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see that happening. What a dumb kid. Then he began to tell his friends. And then, you know, how high school is. Suddenly, I found myself the victim of peer pressure all over again. <laughs> Except they weren't my peers this time. They right. were like teenagers. and uh, And so... You know, people were coming in like just kids that I had never had as students before were stopping in my room to tell me, hey, I listen to, and they just name one of these songs that were out there, and hey, uh, you know, I really like that one, I really like that one. And then it became more and more of a thing. When are you going to make an album? When are you going to make an album? Finally, I had a class, really good kids, really supportive kids. One of them is actually on my album. She's off in college now doing some things, actually down at IUPUI, hmm. and, uh, and she, you know, her and and this kid Gabe and and several others who were like, you got to make this thing happen. Try and just humor us. And I said, all right, well, I think that's like the best case scenario Because if the
0: students are behind it You're gonna do it Right But if you walk in and you're like hey, hello fellow kids I've created a
1: rap album Exactly Yeah yeah And I was worried about being that guy Because honestly the, time, Joe, the first time I saw it I was like bro You're like 35 right. What are you doing Around the same time There was a, an SNL skit With Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> He was a substitute teacher and he's like, I want to tell you guys about the dopest hip hopper, William Shakespeare, you know? And <laughs> he was like that guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, but, you know, they encouraged me and they said, well, um, how would you go about doing this? And I said, I'll tell you what. And I saw it as like a marketing opportunity. I teach marketing. right? I said, so let's, let's do it this way. We will start a GoFundMe. And if I can raise enough money for one song... Then I'll put it for sale online. We'll give fifty percent of the proceeds, uh, to the recording studio for another song. Fifty percent of the proceeds to a local charity, and my church, State Street Community Church here in La Porte, is um kind of a, I don't know how you would call it. They're not. It's like not direct affiliation, but the, the guy who's over the nonprofit, the PAC Center. Pax meaning peace, is also the pastor of the church. Right. And so this uh, they work very closely, hand in hand, and the idea is to just feed people here. It's the kind of the largest food-providing organization here in LaPorte County, and we are—yeah, there's a food desert, and they are just constantly making strides to feed people and be— Be a good neighbor and just like restore the art of good neighboring, which I love. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that we, you know, support them. And and so I wanted to support them. Uh chose them as the charity that we would help, but I didn't think that we would actually make enough to record one song. Right. We did it within three days. And so all of a sudden I was like, Oh, well, I guess I have to find a recording studio then. So I began to price out Chicago studios, you know, they're only about 50 miles or 50 minutes away. And then I found the studio in Crown Point, began to text the guy back and forth and listen to some samples of things he'd worked on. And we just kind of hit it off. So I went out there and recorded the first song. The first song would, uh, No Name Show is the name of the song. And put it up on Bandcamp. People began to buy it. Next thing you know, I'm like, oh, we're going to be able to do a second song. And that's really cool. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe if the momentum continues, we'll be able to do an entire EP. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say nine months later, we had an entire album, 15 tracks, four skits, and Money in the Bank to continue. Because you had just raised
0: so much from the community? From where?
1: Well, it started as just selling it on Bandcamp. Um, Then I decided to kind of go out on a limb and I wanted to raise more money for the charity, and I knew that I could do that if I reeled in some community businesses. Yeah. So I wrote like a five-page business proposal, and it explained kind of, uh, here's a, a teacher who was trying to do something out of the box with his students, and also support a local charity at the same time, and fulfill a dream. Mm-hmm. And so... um I wrote this long letter, and then I began to cold call, just like when I used to work in radio sales. Mm-hmm. All these businesses, and I told them who I was. And, and, you know, in a small town like this, when you tell them you're a teacher, they automatically have their ears open. Sure. Because they, you know, one thing that this town uh, that you called the butthole of Indiana is really great about is supporting their schools. Was I wrong? <laughs> they love their schools. They love their teachers. And, and there's so many people employed by the school corporation here. So uh, I said, I, you know, I'm doing this thing with my students and I explained it in depth. I would really like to send you my proposal. It'll explain to you um, line item if you were to contribute where your money would be spent, how your money would be spent, because I just want full transparency and I want you to understand what it is I'm looking for. He said, yeah, go ahead and send it over.
0: That's the, so that's something that I've been learning lately with this and with other projects Like, I watched my boss pick up the phone and call a very, very, very well-known radio personalities business, Mm -hmm. basically, in Nashville. They're like, yeah, come on down. And so I was like, okay, well, I've got a question, and Glenn Beck's people did the same thing. Why don't I try that? And I reached out on LinkedIn, and the lady's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe if I do what Joe did and just start... Because what you were always great at and what I never had the self-confidence to do was to – I always worry, I worry I'm bothering people. Mm. Like, you you know, I'm like, if you don't want to do this today, Joe, it's okay. I totally understand. I don't want to bother you. But, you know, you never understand that you may go, yeah, this would be a great way to, like, reach this old audience. Like, you, you always have been really good at pushing through whatever discomfort someone may have – like including maybe, my own discomfort. That's what I'm talking about. So, like, maybe talk about that because I think so many people listening stop themselves from pursuing a dream, from pursuing a client they think they can't reach. I never thought that I should be a political commentator, and yet thousands of people listen to me a week. I know I probably don't deserve it, but I know I'm I'm wrong because those people disagree with me, right? Like, yeah. so I think how do you push through that discomfort? Because I can't imagine like saying, I'm going to be a rap artist and like knowing people are going to have the reaction that I said I had, you know, or, or picking up the phone call and people might say, no, like how do you push through that? You, you got us all these great interviews in the, in 2013, people that I never thought we could get you were reaching out to celebrities all the time. Like, how do you do that?
1: It's making me smile because, I don't know, it sounds cool.
0: (laughs) It's something that I don't think most people do. I think it's something that you, I can tell you 50 people at least have been involved in We Are Libertarians. Mm -hmm. You're probably the only one who ever really pursued a lot of these big names other than Brian Nichols. I believe in myself.
1: Okay. I believe in things that I get involved in. right, so I need to write that down. (laughs) Uh, I remember being in my 20s. This is before we are libertarians. This is before I had any concern with politics. And this was just around the time that I was uh, sitting in my college dorm room, making songs with a microphone plugged into a computer, Mm -hmm. standing in a closet with a sock over the mic as a pop filter. I mean, real humble beginnings and uh and and i wanted to i believed in myself at that point enough and i had no professional recordings no product and i wanted to call record labels and talk to them about getting me in the door (laughs) (laughs) and i knew i was going to get shot down every time and i remember one specific time matter of fact i remember one time uh kanye west had his own little record label It was like a a record label within a record label. So his greater record label was just serving as a distributor. And his his thing was called Good Music, Uh, getting out one's dreams, good. Mm -hmm. And he had Common and Most Deaf and this kind of stable of artists that I really looked up to and still look up to as hip hop people. And uh, he ended up bringing in this guy on called, um, what was the guy that, that worked with Diddy? He had the umbrella, Fonsworth Bentley. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, yeah, the umbrella, and he brought him on as an artist, which I thought was insane, right? <laughs> because he had, you know, he was just the guy that got Diddy's tea, <laughs> and uh, and and they put out one song called Colors, and it was Kanye West, Andre 3000, and then this Fonsworth Bentley, and it was supposed to go on Fonsworth's debut album. Well, this album, because the the debut single was so good, I began to really look forward to this release. And then it got shelved, and I had no idea when it was going to come out and that concerned me and so as <laughs> as a casual fan, if Farnsworth can 't make it, can I this is like really pre like i couldn't just at the whatever the distributor's name was on social media at the time, yeah, you know, and so I remember calling down like i had I found the Atlanta offices phone number of this record label, and I called down there, and I was just, and, and I was really timid college student. Hey, uh, do you have any idea when that Fonsworth Bentley is going to come out? And they acted like I was inconveniencing them so bad. You were, <laughs> yeah. And and they wouldn't give me any information. It was just a really quick phone call. I sat around and stewed on it for like three hours. I was so frustrated. And I was like, "How could they not give me any information? Fans are like the lifeblood of what they do. And I was just really fed up. and uh and then I was like, "Well, fake it till you make it. You gotta maybe I need to just call them up and pretend that I am somebody that they need to answer to. Uh-huh. I called them back, pretending to be some sort of, I don't even remember, some sort of agent or something, someone... Uh, who wasn't just a fan with a concern, but somebody who had business with them? Uh huh. And it was just I took on a character, very like Ari Gold entourage, right? Right. And they were, oh, uh, hold on just a moment. Let me try and see if I can find that answer for you. And um, and they like shuffled through some things, and then they came back to the phone, and they were like, oh, it looks like the reason that we haven't had any success with that release is because. Uh, good music is no longer going to be with our label and we're not sure what the future of that is. They began to give me answers. And even though I never got the release date and it was never released, that album, I hung up the phone and I thought, when I acted like I was somebody, they gave me an answer. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that kind of created this feeling in me like, if I believe in myself when I make a phone call, I can I can like get a response. Yeah. And so anytime that I reach out to somebody, that's the attitude that I take. It's not uh, in arrogance, but it's I'm calling you with a question because I feel like I have something to contribute in. It. And it's more than just I kind of want to know. Like, I want to know because if I know the answer, then I might be able to create something, some new opportunity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and so that's when it was Seeking Guests for We Are Libertarians. I believed in the brand and I wanted to past tense. <laughs> I mean, when I was, you know, I was getting, I was booking for it's them. Fine, I was teasing you. <laughs> Blushing. Great, great, I'm glad it's, okay. it's a podcast. I used to believe in this brand, <laughs> but i I wanted it to be something so much bigger, and I knew that the best way to do that would be uh, to associate with people who were already established and well known. Well, the the biggest
0: roadblock that you faced was me at that time. Because I didn't have the self-confidence in myself to agree with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. But, like, now that I'm older and I'm a part of the Bob and Tom show and I, I'm on the other end of that phone call of fans going, hey, I want to know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't realize how close to power you actually are if you just try. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how easy it is to get a hold of somebody if you just try. If you treat them with respect or, yeah, you have a little bit of authority, like, act like you're somebody. And I learned that from Abdul, too. Like, Abdul, my mentor, just decided, like, I'm going to start a website, and I'm going to be the media in Indianapolis. Jer- Jeremiah, I'm going to be the media in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, when it came to interviewing guests, I was like, oh, we're we're just nobody's bothering them. Now, it's like, I've got people that want to hear what Noam Chomsky has to say. Right. And Noam Chomsky wants to come on because he's got something to promote, too. Like it is and i so i think back those in those early years where it's like yeah i was uh, i had the pig headed discipline to push this thing forward but i didn't have what i didn't have the mentality that you had which i've i've learned to develop because if you want to be in media or creative work you have to push yourself to get out of that creative zone or out of that uncomfortable zone and start saying i've got something for you you're going to like it yeah I I know I may be bothering you, but I think once you listen to this, you're really going to like it. And you have to keep asking, 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 because you don't know when you're going to reach somebody when they're in the right mood. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been asking people to listen to my podcast for four years now, but all of a sudden, the Democrats have a primary, and I want to know what's going on, so now I'm ready to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you've, you've um, you've been somebody that has been, I don't know if the word's inspirational, but... Motivating in that kind of mindset over the years because you just don't take no for an answer from yourself. Which also I saw th- why I have a wife. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, listen, fellas, if you're single and alone, it's because you're not pushing yourself. Oh, these girls won't say it's because,
1: because you're not making the effort. It really to ask. could become bad advice at that point, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Like, take no no, no for, means nobody. Take no for an answer. Yes. But but when she told me she didn't want to go out on dates with me, I kept asking and 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 now we've been married for 10 years in May. <laughs> yes. You still
0: ask her out, no, I don't want to in. Really. <laughs> um so, yeah, so you start pushing through that, you start calling people, you start saying, "Hey, I'm raising money, I'm doing good for the
1: community, I'm helping these students." And suddenly get there involved. are businesses in an agricultural community. Largely country folk out here. Yeah, Northern Indiana, and they are investing in a high school teacher's rap album.
0: <laughs> All right, would Harder you say it, than it money? that
1: way? Yeah, it is as says uh,
0: absurd. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's crazy. It was it was crazy to me to the point that I you could produce fifteen songs, which is thousands of dollars, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and we raised like twelve hundred bucks for the Pack Center, which was cool. You know, that was cool because then you look for the spin in that we literally fed people with music Mm -hmm. and I'd love to continue doing that kind of thing. Right. Um, So then where does it go? I'm like, Oh, well, if this all just fell into my lap and you know, I worked for it and I, I, I wrote the songs and I wrote the business letters and, and I kind of grinded to, to bring the product to life. But a lot of doors could have closed in my face that didn't close in my face meaning meaning to me it was meant to be mm-hmm. i was at a in a in a place in my life my location the people that i was surrounding myself with all of it was kind of the perfect storm this was meant to happen right it wasn't meant to happen in the past which is why it didn't and so now i have this product and i could either say well that was really fun and call it a day keep teaching my classes or i could say well let's keep trying to pursue this dream that i've had since i was a kid and even though i am old and there's a stigma to rappers and these kinds of things you know um let's see if anything else cool happens
0: i'm joking but i also think that you see snoop dogg in his 60s now like i think as hip-hop and its artists have gotten older And there's now two or three generations listening to hip-hop. I don't think it's as much of a, I I think the stigma is like your uncle's in a band and he's going to make it big because he's, you know, oh, you're cool, you're playing the coachman in Plainfield every Thursday night. I don't Mm -hmm. think you're going to get signed to Arista tomorrow. Right. But, you know, you are a hip guy with cool glasses (laughs) and a well-trimmed beard. Like, you're not, you're a, like, you're not doddering around watching Meet the Press on, oh, shit yes i am (laughs) but no no, so i think there is i don't think that there is as much stigma i think that's that's part of it too like when you are pushing through and you're in you're going i'm chasing my dream and you have talent
1: that initial stigma drops off and people go oh this guy's actually really good at this well and also i'm creating my own products right like i'm i'm doing this at peak hip-hop face tattoo era (laughs) right so like the the hottest rappers in the game when I began this project all had their faces covered in tattoos or were ending up in prison uh, for you know having firearms that weren't registered or something. And here I am, this clean cut guy with no face tattoos who's got a master's degree, who's teaching high school kids business. And I'm talking about wanting to put out a hip hop album. And what could that really be? Like, how could that be cool? And it's just... I I could have decided to jump on whatever the sound of the day was and try and make songs that sounded like that, whatever Mm -hmm. the kids thought were popular. Or I could kind of create a culmination of rap music meets all of the stuff that I've been a fan of for the last 20 years. So it ends up becoming this thing that's like Common meets Jason Mraz meets you know, Kanye West meets John Mayer. It's got a kind of an old school hip hop feel to it. Yeah. And it's, it's like all of these influences. Cause I, I listen to all kinds of music. Yeah. And I just like writing songs. And so I almost sure sell myself calling myself just a rapper. Cause I do other things too. I mm-hmm. sing and, 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 and ultimately like I would love to write, um, a more singer songwriter type of album someday or even like a country album or something. I joke about these things. A Christmas album. Um, but who's please, to tell me that I can't? Please do a Christmas album. <laughs> who's to tell me that I can't? Right? Because right. here we are in this really kind of crazy position where now two years have passed since the Rhymer Educator Project and we've opened for Vanilla Ice and Pitbull and Max and... Uh, we continue to kind of push down the road and now we're going to be playing at the old National Center, which is cool. Not for the venue in and of itself, but because we're developing a, a relationship with Live Nation. With Indiana Music, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, they are the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do anything else that's cool, like we did with Pitbull or Vanilla Ice or whatever... They're going to be the ones that we want to have a really solid relationship with. And so this, uh, this uh, what's the, the date? Um 20th. We're in February. So March 20th is the night of that show. And we're going to be with three other bands at the spring, spring Fling that Live Nation is throwing. Moxie, Manners Please, and Meridian City are the other three bands. None of them have any sort of hip-hop leanings. So we're going to be an anomaly at this show. Um and it's going to be cool we 're going to go knock them dead and hopefully you know kind of create this new relationship with live nation that uh, does positive things going forward
0: trying to find the uh, the info but i'm falling short on it uh, yeah live nation where can people get tickets if they want to go
1: Well the event is co-hosted by us on our Facebook page there's a link to buy tickets there if they just want to go to our Facebook page they can do it easily there
0: r-h-y-m-e-r educator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think age has given your lyrics because the lyrics are really deep like the the song about it, it do you mind if we play a little bit of the music no that's fine okay like just listen to this little bit of the fire
1: me with a whisper, a terrified scream reduced into a whimper, cause something was awry, she urged me to come with her, when my feet hit the floor we explored, all I remember was the light switch, which revealed the smoke billowing above me, sight hitched, even killed until my mind went silent, times to steal, my fight or flight went fight then, iPhone sent me to that 911, you know, we're trained for this, but when the moment when it's real exists, the shock amplifies each moment and it hangs suspense, so many questions cloud ahead, it makes it hard for you to. Act instead Without a plan We took the kids from their bed informed the neighbor Said a prayer Took some valuables Out of our lair Hoth in the escape And waited patiently Sirens of Blair. Why is this happening When, when life father, goes off I in say. flames slow motion Tomorrow's a new day Hi-oh. But you feel broken And everything could change Hi-oh. Here's to hoping That everything's okay She was safe in Jensen, now we're clear son makes that in the rear seat thankful that i'm not jack pearson the trucks arrived the end is near somebody tried to tell me there was nothing to fear but since our physical bodies were safe i thought of several ways that i could be afraid like what does it cost to be saved it's almost 1a until the next day no insurance company could answer the how we won't pay questions which meant no assurance. i need a blessing beyond at least we're all alive how does my family thrive when all belongings everything we've acquired in life is subject to be cloaked in smoke what's the damages side i saw them open the side door from the basement more haze rose unfaced they made their way in to the stairwell take care where the smell seems dangerous to inhale when life goes up in
0: flames when you listen to that you clearly hear a depth of emotion that it takes if you're a writer a podcaster a movie star a musician it takes a lot of years to develop the comfort with your own feelings that you, A, can sense those feelings and then, B, express them in a way that's organized, clear, and moving. And that song in particular to me, I think, shows a depth that you probably wouldn't have had if you had started when everybody says you need to have started.
1: No, if, if, if you would have seen me in the songs that I was writing in college, the lyrics were, I was trying to write exactly what was already on the radio. And there was no personal story behind any of the music. And I'm at a point now where I'm pushing myself to be more personal, to a fault, you know? Uh, People are like, how many songs are you going to write for your wife? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, she inspires me. Does the song inspire me? The last one,
0: I think anybody who has gotten into a relationship where you feel like this is the person, and you just know, because you sometimes just know I thought that was a really moving song. So keep writing about your wife, because I thought that was a great song. Thank you. And she he, smiled. He looked at yeah. He's <laughs> trying to get bonus points. <laughs>
1: last one the 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 last one and now she puts on a face in public she professional love make you the procession obviously
0: you listen to that I think as a as a listener, you feel what you felt. you're able to portray your emotions in a way that it takes a long time to get a, a, a creative voice to be
1: able to understand those feelings and share those feelings. Well, I'm pushing myself to be more personal, sometimes to a fault, like I said. And, and The Fire in particular, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk like, and actually tell the story of this song or some of the other songs, so this is great. Um, but The Fire, Mickey has a, a super nose. She smells everything. And Joining
0: us now to defend herself
2: Hi. is Mickey, Joe's <laughs> wife. There's no
1: defending. It's it's true. I
2: do have a super nose, but in this particular case it was I was pregnant at the time. Mm. Oh, so it yeah. was like super Heightened. duper. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it saved our lives, right? Because I was sound asleep and she wakes me up and she says, I think our house is on fire. And it This was, was
2: before the smoke detectors even went off.
1: Yeah, before the smoke detectors. So I, I get up and I'm just like, eh. and I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't see any, like I don't see any fire. Up,
2: something smells. And so like I get up and start searching the house.
1: We don't see any flames, but then I flip my light switch on in the bedroom and I can see smoke coming through the vents. Black smoke oh, oh. just
2: starts circulating through the house.
1: So it's coming from the basement and there was a dehumidifier down there that just spontaneously combusted. We didn't have much else down there, just Christmas decorations.
2: Very fortunate. It's a Michigan style yeah. basement. It could have been much worse.
1: But the the smoke is just going through Billowing the through house. the house, and um, so you know we call. But we the didn't Mont- know it was
2: at it was in the basement at the time. So like no. we don't know where the smoke is coming from, where the fire is. Yeah. So in this moment, like we're trying to get the kids, we're trying to get the dog, we're trying to find car keys, and it's in the middle of February. So where's people's but, you know, and you don't think about this stuff like actually happening in the logistics of getting your babies out of bed and getting coats and shoes. Because and,
0: they're little kids
2: at the time. They're little. Right. Yep. Yep. So, um. yeah, you can go on.
1: <laughs> so, we get everybody out to the car. Mickey takes the kids to my mom's house. And I sit there with the firemen. The firemen are coming. Yep. They're doing their thing. And then there's just a lot of what ifs running through my head. Like, what is this? Are we not going to have a place to live? Like, how long does this take to deal with? Blah, 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 blah. How bad
2: is the damage? I'm trying Mm -hmm.
1: to get a substitute teacher for the morning because I know I'm not going to make it to school that morning. And also, that means that I need to have plans for that sub when they come in. So I'm talking to firemen lesson planning <laughs> and doing all this stuff at you know 330 in the morning right. um trying to figure out like how my next day is gonna go and then um they told us you know it's gonna take about three months What is it about three months that it, it was, it
2: was two, months, two months um but they were still doing work for the last month but you know it
1: to restore everything, to and you don't, smoke damage. Nobody and
2: really thing. knows. Like I, I didn't have any idea how much damage smoke can cause and just like the toxic fumes that were in the house from the plastic in the basement and all of that. They had to tear up you know, drywall and clean it out and new paint. And then, you know, so it was...
1: So we're at this or- really yeah. weird place, right? Where... 2018 was this year where all of these really good things were coming at me and at the same time all of these really bad things were coming at me and so it just felt like uh, I was being attacked in some way Mm. where where like I could quit Rhymer Educator which is all the good things that were happening to me at the time like creating this album this dream kind of coming true and then the house burns down Mickey's pregnant well, sorry, the basement. The house it's did not ba-
2: burned down. Hey, shh. it's a
1: better story. This is a podcast. They don't know. <laughs> never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Rex oh. Bell. That's right.
0: I, Mickey's I get, pregnant. I get, that's exact.
1: I get that, too. You're exaggerating. You're I never exaggerating. know what to believe. <laughs> Mickey's pregnant, and we have this vacation planned. We're supposed to go down to Houston to visit my dad. Right. And then we end up stuck in a house living on an air mattress at my parents' house while our house is kind of being cleaned up. And and, I'm pregnant. And she's pregnant. On an air mattress. On an air mattress. For
2: months. With in-laws. With in-laws. With
1: in-laws. And we feel like we're not at home. Well, I mean, we weren't literally at home, but like we, you had to tiptoe around, walk on eggshells. You're in someone else's space. There's like a discomfort And, like, a pregnant woman needs to be comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? And so then we go on this vacation. We take this ride down to Texas, and it's uh, just a stressful trip because we have not been in, like, a comfortable space for a while, you know? Um, Not having been in our own home. And and then we drive down there. And on the way back up, Mickey's water breaks.
2: Now, let's back it up a little bit. So it wasn't like... I'm 26 weeks pregnant at the time. It didn't just like... That's burst. too early right. to have yeah. a baby. It, it, it didn't like just burst like, you know, when people go into labor. It, it wasn't like I something, Love Lucy, right. Something was going on, you know, and I was, you know, something's off. She knew so, something was wrong. So as soon as we got home, we got home on a Sunday. I had a doctor's appointment before going to work on a Monday and they're like, just come on in before you go to work, and we'll check everything out. Come to find out, my water broke, and so they immediately rushed me to the hospital because basically, in cases like this, um, the baby's going to come any day. Mm. It's very hard once you've ruptured; they can't close it back up, and so you know, For all of us these, who are
0: childless, like, yeah. When the water breaks, we think, "I love Lucy." The water breaks. The husband runs around, trips over things, grabs the like. What does the water break? Does that mean that something has
2: so like, you have Yeah. So you the baby's inside of this nice warm placenta. It's yeah. really gross. You know, all those nasty <laughs> words. And the amniotic fluid is dripping. Okay. This is really disgusting. No, okay. By the way.
1: This is like Anywho. The baby wants to come out. This right. is
2: not what's supposed to be happening. It's so Chuck,
1: Chuck Norris sits way right through. And he's, those. Exactly. And he's way too early. Yeah. Way like too early. Twenty the, weeks. There mm-hmm. is there is a full pool of water and the baby wants to come down the water (laughs) (laughs) slide. And 36 weeks is normal, right?
2: No, 40 weeks is typically how long people carry. So anywhere from like 38 to 41, you know, typically is, you know. So I am hospitalized. Um, They're not letting me out until the baby comes. Mm. So that could be anywhere from to one day, two days, to months. Wow. Um, and I'm an hour away from home. I'm in a city that- Different you know, time zone. Different time zone, different city, um, was not planning on it. We had nothing bought for the baby. We had two other children at home. So now Joe, with not knowing what's going on with me and how long, you know, so I'm on steroid shots, I'm on IV antibiotics, and we're just kind of preparing for this baby that's going to go directly to the NICU that may or may not you know live live um i had a fantastic doctor so i ended up being uh, living in the hospital for f- almost 5 weeks they kept the the baby stayed where he was supposed to be but i was bed rest like can't move nothing
1: it was a very stressful 5 was, weeks oh for sure she's trapped she's getting cabin fever in this hospital room it and at awful. the same time <laughs> i'm out of my element i'm waking up He's in the morning daddy. Cause you're you're in what's the city?
2: I am in. Do they consider that Mishawaka or Granger? Mishawaka.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you're you're how mm-hmm. far away? Fifty minutes.
2: Forty five to fifty five minutes, depending on traffic and time of day.
0: Which is still significant. And they're an
1: hour ahead of us. Yeah. I'm waking. I'm preparing all the kids' meals, and I'm getting them to to my mom in the morning, so that my mom can take them to school, so that I can still go to work because I don't have that many benefit days, and I'm still trying to, despite all that's going on be a good teacher and teach the kids at work and then I come home and I pick up the kids from school and I'm feeding them dinner trying to run over there as often as we can and then get them home so that they can do their homework and get their normal I'm like trying to keep a routine Right. I'm not a routine person and I'm trying to keep routines for everybody and I'm just a little bit freaked out about it so at that time to tie it into music I could have easily said, okay, there's just way too much going on. I can't do this right now. Instead, it was like the only positive thing that I had to look forward to. It was the only. It was like the only coping skill yeah. that I had was writing about it and then going in and recording. So we wrote a song called Drake Isley about our son Drake and about my wife's time in the hospital. I made hospital. it to
2: 34 weeks. I think that's important. Yeah. Which is pretty good So then yeah. he only had to he, had, he spent a few weeks In the NICU At that point Yeah But
0: He's healthy All good right now Oh now he's great yeah, now, yeah he's a little monster now Oh <laughs> yeah he's
2: something Tornado
0: So let's hear a little bit Of the song
1: could, and I hear everything the doctors say, kaleidoscope, emotionally shook, isn't it senseless how a child with all this love waiting for it should feel a threat so early, never mind how we can afford it, life is an obstacle, but birth should be unstoppable, eventually I'd like to see my wife get out the hospital, yet yeah, panic has its by the brain, the stress is said demonstrable, reality is no one is responsible, and useless is the worry that we feel in our hearts, is it possible the worst could happen, yes, but is it probable I need to depart, the zone that my perspective rests Gets in the way to see that I'm really being tested Lord, give me this day, Ivy's in medical terms I miss my wife till it hurts, visits and fresh paperwork My sleep is never returned, entrance more than I'm alert Somebody help me desert all this anxiety that this year has provided me huh? I need you too. I want you too
0: So what you guys just told me was logistics. Okay. What you Mm -hmm. just told me was the logistics of the situation where you're at and where he's at. What I hear in the song, Joe, is the emotion, which is a bit of the therapy part that you're talking about, that coping. And the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, this guy is journaling what he's feeling in, in a significant way. And that's
1: a really uncomfortable thing to put those emotions out there for people. What has been the reaction to that song? So what I learned from the fire to go back, cause these yeah, two cool. songs are very connected is the fire, uh, which we think was the stressor that triggered the pregnancy complications mm. that became Drake Isley. Um, so that being a triggering point, what I learned from that was I ended up in therapy, literal therapy, because for once we got back into our home, I was worried every time we left that I'd left the stove on, and I wasn't home. Was
2: remember, because I'm I'm in the hospital now. We're, okay. the kids and Joe are back in the home. He's not able to sleep because replaying yeah. over and over that night.
0: And Joe, if
1: I remember correctly, is a bit of a worry wart.
2: No, really, he's no, no, no. not I'm usually like, chill. He's She's the worry wart. He, yeah, it's me, not him.
1: Okay. So I, you know, I, but I was, I was obsessing over this situation with the fire and I ended up, um, working with a therapist and just replaying the situation over and over and over until I was essentially desensitized to it. Mm -hmm.
2: Called EMDR. Yeah. yeah. It's very good for post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: Yeah. I, I went through something similar <laughs> called CBT, cognitive behavioral yes. therapy, where for me, my traumatic instances, you go, you talk those out, you relive those, and then you spot the thinking errors that are connected to that.
2: And then you flip them. I mean, yeah. Therapy
0: if you if you are struggling, if you don't have an attitude of positivity, optimism,
1: looking forward, go to therapy. Just talk it out. It really, it really is truly, truly helpful. really is. And so amidst my therapy sessions, which were just once a week, I was writing, recording, and then doing a music video for The Fire. And the music video came about because the guy who had been recording me, he said, hey, I want to start offering music videos in studio uh, to my clients, and I need something in my portfolio to show them, to incentivize them to record one with me. Can you be my guinea pig? And so I got to record a video for The Fire, which was cool. To, like I said, things just kind of were falling in my lap where the music was concerned.
0: Is that the video that's on Spotify?
1: Uh, that's the video that's on YouTube. You can look okay. up The Fire by Rhymer Educator, and there might be a clip of it on my canvas on Spotify. Okay,
0: that's what it was. Okay.
1: And and so, yeah, there's, there's a music video that has real pictures of the night of the fire and tells the story of that kind of event for our lives. So then... Not only was the Mickey being in the hospital a big stressor for me, but imagine how much of a stressor it is on our small kids who don't have mom at home. Mm-hmm. So when we did Drake Isley, I had written this song, but I got them in the studio and they sang. And so you know, you're saying it's me jour- journaling grief or, or whatever this is, but our kids got to let some steam off too and get in there and record. Both my daughter, who's got a big vocal part on the song, and even my son is in there. You can hear his little voice saying, come home soon during the song. And how old was he at the time? He's six? Six. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a family affair. Mm -hmm. And we're all just wishing mom was home and wishing the baby was home. and And we turned it into art. That's what I really like about,
0: I don't know if I listen to an album or like, Spotify is the one of those things where, like, you turn on the first song and it just plays all the songs. Yeah. Um, what I really like about it is that maybe it's because we're the same age in the same sort of geographic location. Like, it speaks to me where I'm at now. You know, it's like, you, what, what, what's the song about arriving? Oh, destination. Yes, where it's just like, what if? It, this let's just play a little clip of this song
1: it's like we get so hung up on the destination, destination, destination that we forget to look around us and see that we've arrived it's like we get so hung up on the destination, destination. To be an illustrator, vocally interpreting hyperbole. I'm working hard to pay the bills while balancing and surfacing. The haters' negativity worthy to own my dreams. No, they're not. I take control of everything that I got. I take a pen and then plot. I pray for inspiration day in, day out. Speak to me, muse, and let my ballpoint shout. I'm integrating words on paper just to see what they bounce My mind is clearest when I'm staring just to figure out the lyrics. Pushing pencils in high gear and I move forward without fearing what the industry expects from me. Label me an MC till I die. So reverently I'll keep my head to the sky i'm making music for myself so best believe i'll make it right so best believe i'll make it tight and what you're hearing here tonight is productivity i'm rhymer educator say it right nobody in the world could do it like i do it so i'll just keep on working harder till i finally prove it come on it's like we get so hung up on the destination that we forget to look around us and see that we've arrived so hung up on the destination that we forget to look around us and see that we've arrived, 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 arrived,
0: arrived, 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 arrived.
1: But ready for the currency I feel a sense of urgency and music For someone that puts his heart in his work My heart is beating and the bass is alert I feel a newer sense of breathing when the pain is endured Just like a newer sense of seeing when the canvas is blurred Just like a newer sense of speaking words are properly slurred Inhale, exhale it all out Will I prevail or will I just sell out? We intertwined in a world where dimes used to be money. Now they good-looking honeys. We separated by the slang that we use and all the words that we choose to change the language that was useful, universal. Now it's regional and seasonal. Still crucial is the fact that we're responsible for everyone who listens. Speaking substance on the track to lift up rap has been my mission. Advancing art form that has made our hearts warm and that we don't part from. What has made our hearts one? It's like we get so hung up on the destination. That we forget to look around us And see that we've arrived It's like we get so hung up on the destination That we forget to look around us And see that we've arrived
0: I think what I like about this particular song is that you strike a note that I think so many of us feel that maybe I didn't know that I felt it until I heard this song. It just connected with me when I heard it, is that maybe you've arrived and you just haven't accepted it yet.
1: That was connected also to all the stuff that was going on where when Mickey was hospitalized, there are people from my church who are contacting me. They're checking in on me. They're bringing us meals in some cases so that we have one less meal to prepare and we can get out to the hospital for an extra trip uh, or we're not living off of fast food at the time. And there's people taking care of me. So in the song Drake Isley, when I say uh, elated by the sympathy that my community brings, um, that's because they were they were literally reaching out and taking care of us and doing what I feel a church is is supposed to do, which is just good neighboring, you know what I mean? Taking care of one another and loving each other. And um and and I've always been the kind of person who is very like the grass is greener on the other side. One day I'm gonna get out of Indiana. One day I'm gonna get out of Laporte. One day I'm gonna get out of wherever I'm at, or I'm gonna go do something else, or it'll be the next job that makes me the happiest or whatever. And and that was a moment and I, I still may move somewhere warmer. I still hate winter, but at that moment I realized how fortunate I was to have a network of people who really seemed to care. And I don't think I could have done it without them. And so that lyric, sometimes you get so hung up on the destination that we forget to look around us and see that we arrived was about community and just appreciating the things you have in the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really beautiful. It's, it's a great album and the collection of songs that you can hear on Spotify are really good, and I think they really speak to, to life as it is now. And I think that's, what, that's what, it's what good music should do. It should connect you to where you're at in your life. I, I found it relevant to me, which made me go, man, if, if I were him and my wife were in that position, I'd be a basket case too. You know. And what good content of any media does is it makes you, f- makes you feel less alone. You know, and I think just exactly what you've said and what, what I think I see from a distance watching your social is that community that you've built around this project, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. And, and the album itself was just kind of an interesting thing because I started it for the kids, mm-hmm. like I said. And then it became this thing where I've wanted to make an album since I was their age. And so how do I reconcile that with the grown man that I am now? And so it became this thing that I started for them, but then ultimately was written and recorded for me. And it was almost almost looking back on it, and I don't want to say that those situations were anything good because they were nothing but stress, but what they forced me to do was make the album personal. And then the kids some of them think it's cool that I'm doing what I'm doing, but ultimately like then I was no longer speaking to the things that they could understand or comprehend. It was more speaking to people like you, right. Who understood family and, and you know, responsibility and and social responsibility and community and, and these other things. And now I'm trying to take that product and the things that we've created after to just develop a brand rhymer educator. That's that's music public speaking. Um, I've done a couple of those engagements, and I'd like to grow that. Ultimately, writing, and just an entertainment type of thing that is about bringing joy through love, music, and conversation. Yeah. And ultimately, I have this idea. I haven't really said it publicly yet, but I will say it here. To the woman who kind of helped me uh, desensitize myself after the fire by replaying that situation over and over again. I've thought to myself, it would be cool to help other people who are grieving or suffering through trauma um, to, to take their situations, their bad situations, their awful stories, and turn them into a song so that they could hear that the way that I heard the fire over and over again to help them cope. So what's stopping you? Nothing. It's in, it's in the works. It's just one of those things that uh-huh. it's not off the ground yet, but it's going to happen. I feel like Barbara Walters, I got a scoop. No, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. you definitely got a scoop. No, I haven't said that anywhere yet. I, I think that's beautiful. I think it's great because sometimes people need
0: others to, you know, I, I used the example about somebody else earlier. Uh, I'll just say, I mean, Greg, who was a former co-host of the show, you know, when I was going through my divorce, Greg was the lighthouse when I was in a fog And I think, you know, so is my therapist in a lot of ways because, you know, here's a person who you're going, I was going twice a week. That's how messed up I was, Joe. Hmm. Um, But sometimes you need somebody to call you out of the place that you're in and bring you out of that funk or bring you out. And and music, you know, I I do this radio show in Indianapolis and I just did an interview with uh, Matthew's Voices, which is a choral, a choir for homeless men and women. Oh, wow. And so this thing is the bright spot of their entire week. Sunday at 1 o'clock, they get into a community of people who are singing music and uplifting and bright, happy songs. And it's it's a great way for them to connect and just build their life and get some confidence around something that's very empowering and fun and different. And, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think that, that kind of concept where people who need to be called out of something. And I don't mean like called out, like call out culture. I mean like, Hey, you're okay. Come with me. Yeah. You know, and that, that has always been something that I think you have been good at. That's one of your strengths. So go with it. I I would actively encourage you to do that.
1: I will continue to, it's, I was just telling Mickey, it's, it's stressful. Sometimes I fight to get myself into certain situations. And once I've got myself in those situations, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, Oh, Now I have to do this, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you know, and it it can be really nerve wracking sometimes, but ultimately I'm chasing the feeling on the other side of whatever that thing is to be able to say like, oh man, I did that, you know, like it, it was hard work to get, to open for Vanilla Ice. Like I, I went email, 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 like I talked to this guy for what, a month trying to. Convince him that I was worth bringing onto this bill. He brought me onto the bill, just okay, some school teacher wants to open. Now I've got additional crew costs. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to make that money back if he's just, you know, a drain on this event and doesn't actually bring any additional business? So he says to me, I'm going to print off tickets. So while everybody else is buying tickets for Vanilla Ice through the fairgrounds website, I'm going to print off tickets. You can sell them to your family, friends, whatever. And I'll know then who's coming through you and who's coming through the acts that we had originally hired. If you can sell this many tickets, then I know that at least we paid off our crew costs. That'll make us happy. Uh, If you can sell any additional, then we'll go ahead and just pay you a commission on those tickets. That's cool. When all was said and done we ended up bringing in 35% of the overall house that night. The paid house, <laughs> the non ticket giveaway house. And it was something to be extremely proud of and then we were able to leverage that success to convince the guy over 4 Winds Field in South Bend to give us the Pitbull gig also. Yeah. You know, and I still continue to use those two things to try and leverage other situations, you know, and hope that some bigger things will come up too. But you know, this show we're doing in Indy next month. I'm nervous, you know? Live Nation is a a big fish. So how do you get over the nerves? I don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, sink or
0: swim. It's sort of... So people always... I've done a lot of public speaking. They're like, how can you get over the fear of public speaking? You can stand there and make your choice. Am I going to go, uh... Right. Or are you going to stand and deliver? You know, I think... And so... A lot of this is sort of what with Wall, too. It's like when you're building a platform, when you're building something that means something to other people, like it's great to have a relationship with the two of you because of We Are Libertarians. Most of my friendships and all of my girlfriends have come from We Are Libertarians in the last eight or nine years.
1: Like, and and we've built a community. People like Chris- That makes you the singular libertarian who's met girls through <laughs> libertarianism. Yes, that is <laughs> the only one.
0: Uh, no, but I like the community that comes around it, not just, you know, getting messages from listeners saying I'm a better dad because of listening to the show yeah. is truly humbling. And, you know, if you can build something great. And so I would just encourage anybody as, as from from my experience in doing this, Joe's experience in doing that if you've got an idea do it because when you pursue a creative idea you end up building a community around it that just really feeds you it feeds them it really is an amazing thing and you start off talking to nobody, Joe. We were talking to seventy-two people at the year of the f- first year of We Are Libertarians. Like when we got to seventy-two, I couldn't believe we had that many people listening. Right. I didn't realize we could. You get used to the joke our tens, tens of tens, tens of, listeners. of listeners. Yes, you know. And the reality I think is you get those little moments like you're having where all right, I got vanilla ice, mm-hmm. and then okay, I got pitbull. Okay, I've got the Murat. And then you look back and you go, wow, remember when I got vanilla ice and how big of a deal that was, JLo? lo
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, I would just encourage people, you know, as we start to wind down, Joe, you know, maybe give some encouragement to people too. You've got a dream. Chase it.
1: Do it. Absolutely. I do want to make a tie since this is the We Are Libertarians podcast and just say that if you look at the Rhymer Educator Project, that was people in a community of their own volition, propping up and supporting somebody who is trying to do something special. It was kind of libertarianism at work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, give credit there. And also, yeah, um, I tell my kids all the time that there's no putting a a timestamp on a dream. And I continually want to be proof of that. And now with everything that I do, no matter how big it is, once that's over... I have to come to this kind of crossroads where I'm like, now that that's done, is that going to be my Uncle Rico moment? This is a Napoleon Dynamite reference, where I'm you know, throwing the football to the mountain and, and, and just talking about how cool I was in high school, or am I going to even find something greater to do? And I find myself challenging myself to get better and better and better and do bigger things because... I don't want to just be that guy that's constantly looking backwards.
0: And the better, the more you do it, the better you get, and the more you prove those people wrong. And what people don't get, somebody's always going to laugh at you. It doesn't matter what you do. Oh, there will always matter. be somebody laughing at
1: you. It doesn't matter. Even if they're laughing at you, I mean, their attention is on you. They're At the moment that they're laughing or making jokes, and as an entertainer, I suppose that's something in the W column.
0: Yeah. Well, they're jealous because they don't have the guts. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey, I mean, Joe comes to you and says, I want to be a 30-year-old rapper. (laughs) Like, did you go... Well, when
2: we first met, he was doing bar shows.
1: Yeah. Um, Really?
2: Yeah. And so it, it wasn't any... Here's what it boils down to. Joe has talent. And I'm not just saying as a rapper, as a songwriter... He's very bright. He's a great public speaker. He has many talents. And so when he comes up with these ideas, I never tell him no, because he has the potential to get it done. Sure. Um, and so I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of your, Cammy's your biggest fan, but like I'm Aww. your second biggest fan. Aww. But it's it's more than just music for him. You know what I mean? Like in, this is, it's poetry. Um, And he's a fantastic writer. And so even beyond storytelling, storytelling, I know that he's got a couple book ideas, you know, that he's jotted down. And so I will never be the one to tell him, no, he can't do this.
1: That's every independent musician these days, though. Music is not where the money is made, Mm -hmm. right? Music is just this medium... It's something that I think that we do because we love to do it. But ultimately, if you're going to make any sort of money, it has to be more than that. Yeah. So what can the Rhymer Educator brand become? That's, that's the, the living question that exists out in the world now. Though I would, for anybody listening, say, you know, if you, wanna, if you love the music and you want to continue to support it, I can tell you how to do that. But, uh, because I want to create more of it. But also, if you are looking for someone to come in and speak... And, uh, you know, I want more of these opportunities. What are, what's your email? Rhymereducator at gmail.com. And you can find all that stuff uh, on rhymereducator.com. And, you know, the email for booking and everything is down at the bottom. But um, this is the greatest project of my life in that it doesn't limit me. It allows me to take care of my family, go to my day job, And be that person, but also be something that I've always wanted to be at night. But even more so than just me doing all of these things for me, it has actually allowed me to do a lot of good in my community as well. And then when I do good for my community, my community does good things for me. And so the lesson that we need to learn, and I say this all the time, is that I find that my blessings swell biggest when I am blessing others. And Rhymer Educator, is that's what it's all about. It's the greatest explanation of
0: libertarianism maybe in wall history, because when a person pursues their passion, and when they pursue what they're naturally talented at, they bring in other people voluntarily to contribute to the project, and the community is enriched. And it's all done without somebody being forced to participate. And that's the foundation of libertarianism. So, when somebody says it won't work, a free society can't work, yes, it can because people like Joe are going to make it work. And he's going to be the person that pushes people ahead. And if they don't have the ability, he's going to hire them. So, uh, Joe,
1: Mickey, thank you guys so much for being with us. Joe, one last plug com. Please support Rhymer Educator all over the place. And uh, last but not least, three words, be good people. Mickey, you get the last word.
2: I don't have any last words. Well, the last Joe, Joe's the one with the <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Thank you both so much for joining me. Joe, thanks for everything. We really appreciate you, and we'll see you on March 20th at the Old Nation. Old Na- Old National Center. Yes, thank you. I am tongue-tied tired and but uh, i'll give you some rap lyrics thank you thank you maybe some caffeine all right thanks so much for joining us here on we are libertarians please go support joe and uh, go check him out on spotify get his plays up he's going to be watching He, he needs this people all right thanks so much for joining us we'll talk to you next week
2: The blast rhymes, he calms down like the eye of a cat. Five parents don't neglect him. Disrespect him His heart's not broke Girlfriend didn't reject him Flipping through the tracks Helps keep him on track To focus on the future And move on from the past Confidence from the hype Raps Hope from the light Raps Strength in the words Finding courage to fight back Anxiety, depression Fear, doubt, deception And self-hatred Of an inward projection If music is the most effective Therapy session crank it up and let it heal That would be my suggestion To anybody going through it Anybody hearing this I feel your pain Cause I'm speaking from experience I've often wondered what it would take
1: me to just feel normal To fit the immortal Still there's a voice that's been whispering your frame, granted a masterpiece will treat you that way, but it wasn't really the music the floor. it was more a door to escape, open the hatch and then descend the embrace, wait for the scratch to bring it back so that another track will treat you the same, said I was rude cause I'm not in my name, I'm blocking out a world that's less in tune with me and trading it for the fame, you call them earbuds or airpods, I call them take me pods. a crown upon my hair that's barely there but lets me sit upon a chair next to our shared gods, yesteryear, present here, i suggest I'm probably the future here, my formidable days were menacing, my self esteem was low, a Lil Jon and response It's not tennis And understand the genre To get the ambiance Music has been a blessing And saved me more than once I've often wondered What it would take me To just feel normal To fit